All right. So this one was prompted by a, um, a, a question about equality in the uh, newly formed Facebook group, uh, the Kurgan Immortals. So if you want to join that, just uh, get on Facebook, send um, a request to the Kurgan Immortals. I basically approve everybody. And then if you don't fit, I'll kick you out later, whatever. Anyways, let me explain a little bit what this is about. So this is a model. So as a model, you you have to take it for what it's worth. It's a model that works very well um, in explaining relationships, people, why people do what they do, how they relate to each other, how they relate to themselves and so on. So it's a useful model that I came up with quite a long time ago, many years ago. Um, and it's just proven very useful over the years. So you're not going to find this in any books or whatever. This is a Kurgan TM development. So the point is, you know, we're told that we're all equal in the eyes of God. And that's true. Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, if you'll notice, we've got three different little uh, circles. Now, the circles represent the soul. And, you know, I'm not a great artist or anything, but generally speaking, what we're saying is these circles are all the same size. And these is the soul. So from God's perspective, the soul is the, pretty much the only thing that matters. And we're all the same size. So we all have, relatively speaking, equal value. Now, there is a hierarchy. You'll notice the different colors. So certain souls fall into different uh, ranks or levels. But that doesn't mean that there are any more or less love. They just have different functions. So you can have a warrior soul, you can have a servant soul, you can have a priest soul, you know, whatever. But the thing is, on Earth, how we live with each other, what we see, you know, some of us maybe that are a little bit more evolved might get a hint of the soul of another person and might get a hint of our own souls. But generally speaking, what we tend to see are what I call the, the boxes. Now, the boxes are personality traits and whatever. And I've got three different types of people here. You know, here we've got like somebody that's a bit more like, you know, almost like a somebody that's pretty evolved. They don't have a lot of boxes. You know, if you take a Buddhist monk or something, maybe he's got like two, three, four boxes. Here we've got your average sort of person that's got like a relatively number of boxes. And here we have Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, serial killer or a day trader. Same shit, really. You know, people with a lot of fucking issues. Now, you're never really going to interact with this guy's soul unless some miracle happens. And what happens in relationships, by the way, this is what happens in relationship. Your boxes are going to bump up against the other person's boxes. Now, do you want to see what love at first sight looks like? I'm going to show you what love at first sight looks like. That's love at first sight. Why? Because the outside box has got a shape that more or less fits with the other person's outside box. So they click. And why this happens is because your subconscious, those of you that have seen it, um, I've done a video called something I think like how your mind works. Watch that video to understand a little bit more about this. Because your unconscious brain picks up on all the issues that 
created your boxes, which are generally speaking your parents or whoever raised you, maybe friends, family, whatever, you know, bad shit that happens to you, good shit that happens to you, forms your boxes. And your unconscious brain is basically always on the lookout for like, oh, how can I meet somebody else that's got all those qualities that fucked me up and created me into the psychotic little prick that I am now so that I can recreate those things and then we'll have a happy ending this time and all my problems will be solved. That's basically what your unconscious mind is doing. So when it finds that hot, attractive, cool-looking girl that you think is so smart and then you know, later she fucks you over, stabs you in the neck when you're sleeping, steals all your money and, you know, kills your kids. That's what happened. You had some really bad boxes. Now, this is the love at first sight thing. But what happens in mature relationships, in relationships that actually become true love, what happens is, what naturally happens is you start to knock off each other's boxes a bit. So this person's outer circle gets eroded and you know if you're a feminist you're gonna say oh he's changed me he's made me something i'm not (coughs) Uh, without realizing that these are all your choices similarly if you're an mra guy you're like oh she's a ball breaker she's she's got rid of all my friends uh you know i can't drink and snort coke anymore it's really upsetting and depending on how many boxes you have and their shape and size and whatever, this could be quite a painful process, too painful apart, you know, so if it gets to this stage where like one's only got circles, the other one has only got spiky boxes, pretty much generally that's where it breaks off. But after a while, you might get to a spot where you knock off enough of each other's boxes and you also have to keep in mind that these boxes are not static, but they're fluid. So they can change shape over time a little bit if you, you know, work at it. So over time, oh look, we can get it to fit better. And, you know, a good relationship is, looks probably something like this. You know, there's going to be like differences and whatever, obviously. But essentially, you know, the two people have made enough effort that their outside boxes pretty much sort of fit together. Now, the soul on its own for this model and my belief system, that pretty much is what happens when you die. So when you die, your soul gets rid of all the boxes, all your personality goes, and you can now relate to each other honestly, which means that even this person and this person can get on just fine. And I believe that at that state, that's where you're like, dude, you were a serial killer. You were really fucked up. You're a bad, bad guy. And that's where this guy goes, oh my God, I was a terrible human being. I'm really scum on the earth. I deserve to be in hell. And, um, you know, this is assuming these are the people that get saved, right? For whatever reason. So he might be in purgatory for a long time, but that's basically how boxes work. So that's what I mean, you know, that's what, when you say, oh, we're all equal in God's eyes. Yeah, we're all little circles of different colors. So we all have the same value. But in the world and how we behave and how we react to each other and how we interact with each other, that's to do a lot more with the boxes than with our souls. If you are evolved enough, then, you know, sure, more of your actual truth, more of your soul trickles through. But this is essentially the way I see it. And it's a pretty good model.
Uh, it's a pretty good model because it starts you thinking a little bit more about the boxes rather than taking everything so personally. And you start to realize that the guy at work who just, you know, is unreliable and lies and whatever, you know, maybe had a shitty childhood or whatever. There is a downside to this, which is if you always use this as the forgiving mechanism, you can get screwed over a lot, you know, easily because they're like, oh, but he's just my personality. And you're like, oh, well, I have to understand he got raped by his dad. So, oh, well, you know, he touched up my kid, but, you know, I can kind of understand. No. There are lines that if you cross, it doesn't matter about your boxes, okay? You want to help somebody like that? You break their boxes down. So put all the pedophiles out there. You touch a little kid. Any normal man that can get away with it will string you up for the nearest fucking lamppost. And rightly so. Because if you know that that's what's going to happen, well, guess what? You're going to change the shape of your pedophile box. You will. At least in public, at least when there's witnesses, at least most of the time. So it's helpful. And who's to say that if you don't see a couple of, you know, your fellow pedophiles getting burnt at the stake alive, you might just find it in yourself to stop being a pedophile altogether. So, you know, there are lines, there is a justice. Again, as a Catholic, this is bread and butter stuff. You know, this is like Catholicism 101. But a lot of you are Protestants in nature and, and origin and history, so you might not know this. Um, the fact that you might have exculpatory reasons for being the sick fuck that you are doesn't change one little bit the fact that you're a sick fuck and that there will be punishment, consequences, repentance, um, and you know you and um, if you have absolution from God on it because you do repentance on you know there are consequences. It's not just like, oh, well, you know, yeah, I'm a bit of an asshole, but uh, it doesn't really matter. I'm cool, dude. You know, I prayed. I did my rosary. No. You've got to actually mean it, you know, for things to be forgiven. Otherwise, why should I? And even when you do get forgiven, and even when they do, you know, mean something to you, there is still restitution as best you can. There is still some punishment. There is still some hell that you have to go through to be cleansed, which is right and correct. It's just what's different is your approach to it. You know, if you know that you're well and guilty and you deserve everything that's coming your way, whatever's coming your way, it's sort of an easier punishment to take to a certain extent. So to a certain extent, there is that, you know, you, you have got it easier because you know that you deserve that punishment. So that's it on boxes and relationships and so on. And I just wanted to mention again, just briefly, the uh, the Anne Barnhart pod podcast 101, which I blogged about, which is hilarious because she, you know, Anne really doesn't have a leg to stand on now logically, and uh, she had to admit, you know, from oh, certificantists are just a crazy people, to like oh well, their position is more logical than these trad Catholics that you know just arbitrarily, and then it came up. Well, what if Ratzinger dies, who you believe is the real Pope, and now you've only got Bergoglio left? What then? And she was screaming about it. She was like, no, well, you know, you can't compare, you know, if, if Ratzinger dies and Bergoglio's left as anti-Pope in the chair for like 45 minutes, you can't compare that to what the crazy set of Vacantists are saying. And why is that? Only two reasons that she gave. One, well, they're saying it's been 62 years. Okay, Anne. 
Where's the deadline? Where's the deadline for having a fake pope in a chair? Show me. Show me in canon law. Show me in the dogmatic teachings of the church or any papal encyclical. Where is the limit of the interregnum? Interregnum is Latin for between realms, between um, kingdoms, because the Pope's considered also a king on earth. So while there's no valid king, it's between kingdoms. There is nowhere, nowhere a time limit on that. None. So there's no objection there. What was their only other objection? Well, the church has to be visible. It is visible, Anne. It's very visible. There are over 300 churches around the world in something like 170 countries. It's a hell of a lot more visible than it was in 200 AD or 300 AD or 500 AD for that matter. There's over 100 of these churches in the United States alone. The rest are scattered throughout Europe and some even in Asia, you know. Plenty visible. We've all got the internet. All you've got to do is a Google search. That's how invisible we are. I'm standing right here, Anne. I'm not invisible. I'm good-looking, smart, intelligent. It's not invisible. I don't have that superpower. So, really, there is no leg to stand on left for those so-called Catholics that think that Ratzinger is the Pope. Ratzinger is no Pope. Ratzinger never was. Ratzinger completely became an apostate, I believe, long before he ascended to the papacy because he is one of the architects of Vatican II. Anyway, I've, uh, I've gone into a little bit more detail on this on the blog. It's the, it's the latest post, that, post that's up. And, you know, I just imagined a conversation with Anne, which I thought was pretty funny. So I put that on the blog as well. It starts out with my, my imagined conversation with Anne Barnhart. And um, I hope you enjoy it. It's, I, I thought it was funny. And just in case, you know, here's the good tequila, Anne. You can see, you know, doesn't last very long around here, good tequila. But I'll, I'll save you some shots. You know, I know it's a big shock. You, you need, you might need some shots. You know, hell, I'll get a new bottle, and I'll get you a new bottle. You know, just gonna tell me where to send it. I'll definitely get you a new bottle. If tequila's not your thing, you let me know. You know, hard whiskey, vodka. You know, good stuff. You know, only, only good quality stuff. You know, it's, it's a big change. I understand. So yeah, that's it. And again, remember, if you want to be part of people that are actually going to start doing stuff um, and you're interested or whatever, you don't have to. That's not a not asking you to. It's something f mostly for you guys to be able to meet with other uh, hardcore Catholics or, you know, get interested or ask questions or whatever. I don't have a lot of spare time. So you'll see I'm not that active on uh, Social Galactic and I'm not that active on Facebook, but it's there. And it's a resource, an additional resource that you guys can use. And hopefully it's of some use to you. And uh, it's quite interesting to read everybody's story. Wooly Ram is on there. And he explained about, you know, being an Orthodox Jew in an Orthodox Jewish family in Israel where there are no real Catholics. And, uh, you know, some of the other guys said, geez, man, what balls have you got? You know, so there's some very interesting people there. Um, and I'm pretty retarded with all the, the, the stuff. So do yourself a favor. If you do want to join, don't try and friend me and stuff. Just go look for the Kurgan Immortals. That's a group. It's visible because people have been sending requests. So um, it is private. And, you know, it's it's got a little what is this group about, which I suggest you read. 
and then go in and read other people's posts and so on and enjoy yourselves. All right, that's about it for tonight. Good night.